welcome to the week 14 what we saw podcast i'm eric smith editor-in-chief at qblist.com and today i have ryan heath filling in for mike miklius ryan heath of sit start fame i'm glad to have ryan join us today got a little break with the uh, the patriots taking the week off so got to focus on some other games so happy to bring him in and if you had a late start to the day you probably didn't miss a whole lot the early nfl games were boring uh we kind of sleepwalked through a lot of them a couple late rallies but really not a lot to speak of but it kind of i know followed the script of that thursday night game uh not real exciting early on but then a wild comeback at the end and uh we saw this nfl slate really come back at the uh the late game slate the uh, 49ers bengals game and the tampa bay buffalo game were very exciting down the stretch and luckily both of us were uh, glued to those games so we're gonna have a really good recap of those so Ryan, welcome. I uh, hope you got to put your feet up and watch some stress-free football today, because I certainly did not as a Bengals fan. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me, as always, Eric. Uh, I agree. It was very nice to just kind of relax. You know, the Pats are on a bye, not have to like tilt my face off anytime something happens. I tried not to have as much skin as I usually do, like as far as betting in DFS goes this week too. Just really enjoyed the week off. It was nice to relax and just watch some football for the sake of football. Yeah, it's a, it's a good time to recharge. Uh, unfortunately, Bengals fans can't, uh, after a, an important game last week that they lost, I looked at the schedule before the game today and it's like all playoff games for the Bengals for the rest of the year. So um, I'm going to have to get used to this uh, up and down, uh, just craziness because uh, yeah, this is a time of the year where every game matters for sure. So um, yeah, we're going to touch on as many games as we can here, obviously, but uh, please check out QBList.com and the, what we saw article. If you uh, missed any of these games, we'll have an, uh, an author on every single game and they'll do a much more in-depth job across the entire league than we can. But uh, a few things that we saw today we thought were important, so let's get into them. Uh, we're going to start with the winners and losers here. Um, Ryan, kick us off. Who was your winner today? Yeah, my biggest winner was Leonard Fournette. He looked absolutely great in that game. He had 19 carries, 113 yards, and a touchdown on the ground, four catches for 19 through the air. And importantly, Giovanni Bernard was actually helped off the field in the second half. So that could actually open up some additional snaps and targets for him. Bernard wasn't being used that heavily to begin with. I mean, I mean, he has like 23 catches on the year or something, but that's still a target or two per game that Fournette can add on because I promise you Ronald Jones isn't taking it. So, <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, Fournette gets the Saints, which is a tough matchup, the Panthers, and then the Jets through the fantasy playoffs. And just look pretty good against a pretty good Bills front. So I think if he's on your roster, he there's not a whole lot of running backs you'd rather have right now. Yeah, it's real wild. Uh, he has, I believe, two games under 10 points in PPR scoring. Uh, I don't think we any of us thought we were going to get here with Leonard Fournette. Uh, we'll get into how good he looked uh, later when we go through that game. But uh, from a fantasy perspective, yeah, he's a top five running back at this point I mean it's just it's wild but it's I guess it's the Tom Brady effect uh anyone in that offense is going to score touchdowns and Fournette's certainly taking advantage of it so um for my winner today uh, I'm going with Rashad Penny for the Seattle Seahawks it, this isn't so much that I think he's going to you know take the league by storm for the rest of the season but uh Rashad Penny was RB2 on the week heading into Sunday night football 16 carries for 137 yards and two touchdowns um, he played 35 snaps while Alex Collins played just 14, DJ Dallas just 11. Um, and it was his first 100-yard game since uh, November 24th, 2019. So it's been a long time coming for Penny. I have never been a believer personally just because at some point, if you can't stay on the field, uh, your fantasy outlook isn't great. But um, the third 100-yard game in his career is, is pretty big for Penny's like dynasty future if you you know kind of picked him up on waivers or have been stashing him. So um, this is big for Penny. He may see a commanding lead in this backfield. It was against the Texans, but the rest of this backfield is so poor that uh, I think it's worth taking note of. So Rashad Penny's my winner. Um, Ryan, are you like just have you written him off? Has he crossed off your list at this point, or will you take a look at him in waiver wires? I'll take a look at anybody in this Seahawks backfield at this point in the season because, as I called out a few weeks ago on Sit Start. Uh, at the time, I thought it was Alex Collins was going to be set up really well down the stretch. That obviously hasn't worked out with yep. all the shuffling around in this backfield. But whoever it is getting the touches on the Seahawks has a very nice schedule in the fantasy playoffs. So I think Penny is easily your biggest waiver wire target this week. Yeah, I agree. And Russell Wilson's starting to look a little better. 
they they pretty clearly they don't like DJ Dallas. I think it seems like they always find someone to elevate above him, whether it was Adrian Peterson the week before or Rashad Penny or Alex Collins. So uh, Dallas doesn't seem to be much of a factor. I think Collins is just kind of fading, uh, kind of veteran fading down the stretch. So Penny's certainly got a nice opportunity ahead of him. So uh, I, I'm sure uh, you know Callen and AJ will talk a lot about him tomorrow night on the uh, waiver wire podcast. So. Uh, let's get into some losers here. Ryan, I can't believe you did do this to yourself, but who's your loser this week? So I originally wrote Derek Carr, but then saw the opportunity to kind of roast myself. So <laughs> I deleted that name and typed in Brian Edwards. Uh, so looking at the snap counts, he actually got out snapped by Zay Jones, uh, 53 to 39. That's not something you want to see if you're Brian Edwards or somebody that has like 20% Brian Edwards exposure in best ball this year. Uh, that that didn't work out well. Not a great take on my part. Um, he even ran eight less routes than Zay Jones and commanded three less targets. He's still just running wind sprints out there. Cars not looking down the field whatsoever. So, man, I just a huge missed opportunity here. Just imagine if I drafted Hunter Renfro instead of all that Brian Edwards four months ago. Yeah, we'll get to Renfro later. Uh, I think you're like a week or two behind me on the the Raiders. I had to watch them last week or the week before. And yeah, it's, uh, I'm not sure why Zay Jones plays so many snaps. I'm not real sure what his purpose is, uh, but he's out there a lot. So it's not, it's not great for Brian Edwards and uh, yeah, anyone other than Hunter Renfro or Darren Waller, if he gets healthy, that's, that's about the extent of this offense. So we'll see how they look next year, but I, it doesn't look like it's changing anytime soon this year. That's for sure. So um, I am going to take a second to dunk on myself. My loser is Trevor Lawrence. I had some hope coming into this year that, uh, I, I never thought Urban Meyer was going to be a good coach by any means, but I thought Trevor Lawrence might be talented enough to make some players in this offense intriguing in the passing game. And today, Trevor Lawrence, 24 of 40, 221 yards, zero touchdowns, four interceptions, only ran once for two yards, uh, gives you one fantasy point. I know nobody's playing him, but uh, really bad performance. We've seen no development here. Like there was a gif going around Twitter today of like two Jaguars receivers, One's running an inbreaker, one's running an outbreaker. They kind of like one falls down. They kind of end up in the same spot. The ball like helplessly sails out of bounds to the right. It, it's the, this offense seems broken from the start. So um, Trevor Lawrence is kind of the default loser here. But with all the trouble that came out this week with Urban Meyer and issues in the locker room, I, I think we're just hoping for a change in coaching. I don't know if we're going to get it this year, but uh, it's ugly in Jacksonville. So. Ryan, like, are we holding out hope for Trevor Lawrence? Is he going to be a, you know, an MVP here in three years? And we just kind of look back on this and laugh or is something seriously wrong here with this offense? Yeah, I mean, we do have to take rookie years for quarterbacks with a grain of salt. I mean, Peyton Manning had an all time terrible rookie year. Like we don't want to super overreact, especially with a prospect that was this highly touted. Um, but I will say there's a possibility that Trevor Lawrence is the secret source that Urban Meyer wants to be unemployed, or maybe it's his agent trying to save face. What do you, what do you think about this? Who Who is the mysterious source in the Jaguars locker room that is making Urban Meyer look bad? Not that he needs help. Well, let's see. Uh, there was a report that uh, Marvin Jones left the facility and had to be coaxed back by staff. Um, this is the same Marvin Lewis or Marvin Lewis. Did I say Marvin Lewis? Marvin Jones, whatever <laughs> his name is. Uh, this is the same Marvin Jones has played for the Bengals and the Lions. So he has certainly seen his fair share of poor football. And uh, he almost quit this team. Uh, Marvin Jones did. So um, it could have been him. Uh, it could have been James Robinson, who was benched for seemingly no reason. He fumbled. But, you know, that happens with running backs. I think the whole offense is a candidate at this point. I mean, uh, they don't know how to use, you know, LaVisca Chenault. Like, I, I don't know who's happy on this team. So um, I hope they fire him. I, I don't like to call for people's jobs, but I think Urban Meyer maybe is the one, uh, the one person in the league we can call for their job and feel okay with ourselves on. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that Marvin Lewis is on your mind right now. That seems very appropriate from the Bengals fan. Oh, we'll get to that later. It's been a long day. <laughs> These four o'clock uh, East Coast games, I, I can't handle it when it's a loss. It's it's not long enough turnaround for this podcast. So, um, yeah, we'll get to that later, though. So other than that, um, injuries were a little light today. Um, there's a big one up top, though. Lamar Jackson injured his right ankle. He was carted to the locker room, although he was like riding shotgun on the cart. So I'm not sure if this was a major, major injury or not. It was hard to tell, but he missed the whole game after leaving in the first quarter. Uh, was replaced by Tyler Huntley, who did a good Lamar Jackson impersonation. But 
Uh, Lamar was out today. We'll see how long it is. Obviously, it's a, a huge issue for this offense, although the receivers still played fairly well. But I'm not sure there's a lot of analysis here. Lamar Jackson's hurt. It's going to change a lot. But uh, keep an eye on that going forward. Um, for the Chargers, Austin Eckler, uh, he was limited throughout the week with an ankle injury. He left the game after 12 carries for 67 yards and a touchdown, a couple catches. Uh, supposedly could have returned. Um, they were blowing out the Giants, and they play the Chiefs on Thursday. So that's a much more important game. But uh, behind Eckler, Justin Jackson saw 20 snaps, uh, ran nine routes, had a target, nine carries. Uh, Joshua Kelly, 19 snaps, five routes run, a target, 10 carries. So it's pretty split up. Um, they've also kind of flip-flopped their backups all season with Larry Roundtree seeing work. Uh, do you see any use going to get one of these running backs with the short week for the Chargers or – like, is Eckler the only one you want to play in this backfield? Yeah, I don't love this backfield after Eckler. If I have to pick one, it's Justin Jackson, just because I think he's the best in the receiving game and can do the best Eckler impression. But, I mean, we've seen this before, as you said, that they like to shuffle around who their RB2 is, and it's hard to tell from week to week. So I'd rather avoid the situation if Eckler's not going to be playing. Yeah, I agree. I, I can't tell if they're trying to give all the backups work and keep them you know, involved throughout the season or if they're trying to find someone to step up, but it seems like it's every week they're, they're switching their backups. So I don't think we can really trust anyone here. Jackson, like you said, he's looked the best probably throughout his career, but um, I'm probably not spending a whole lot of fab or uh, waiver priority on any of these running backs. So looks like Eckler will be good on Thursday against the Chiefs. So uh, another injury, Terry McLaurin, uh, concussion mid third quarter, had zero catches on four targets. Um, the Washington QBs were bad, uh, combined 15 for 34, 124 yards, five sacks, a touchdown and a pick. Uh, Taylor Heineke left in the fourth quarter with a knee injury. They say he'll start if he's healthy. Kyle Allen wasn't any better. Uh, do you think, is this passing game just like so broken that you maybe should look for other options than Terry McLaurin going forward? Or is he talented enough, like as long as he's out there playing, you're starting him? Yeah, I think it's totally legitimate to be worried about playing McLaurin in the fantasy playoffs. I, there have been plenty of games where he just hasn't delivered for fantasy owners this year. Um, I'll say that this offense, really all they want to do is run, 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 run. And in order for that to work, they have to get up early. And which has been happening the last four or five games. They've actually had some success somehow. Um, but then they run into Dallas and can't do what they somehow did against the Buccaneers a few weeks back. So I wouldn't count on it. Even Antonio Gibson, I'm a little nervous on at this point, but I don't know. I wouldn't say the passing game is going to suddenly get back to into shape. Yeah. I've had to watch uh, Washington a couple times recently, and I, I just don't see it with Heineke. Uh, the announcers love him, but um, he throws a lot of just tough passes for his receivers, leads them to get big hits and, he just seems to be living on the edge there. So uh, I'm not real excited about McLaurin going forward. It, it'll, it'll be yet another year next year where we hope we can get a, a real quarterback for McLaurin for sure. So uh, I think this offense is going to be sputtering down the stretch. And like you said, if they, if they can get a lead, uh, we know how they're going to play the ball uh, or play the game, uh, lots of running. But if they can't get a lead, it's it's rough. So um, Logan Thomas hurt. Like they've just, they have no talent outside of McLaurin. And if he's out, uh, I don't know, this might be too much even for Gibson to, to contribute to. So keep an eye on McLaurin's health. Um, in Cleveland, Kareem Hunt uh, left in the first half with an ankle injury. Um, he returned, but he only rushed two times for five yards, two catches for 13 yards. He only had 20 total yards in his first start last week back from injury. Uh, just in general on Kareem Hunt, like, are we maybe just benching him until we see a good game? Like, would you be putting him out in your lineups if you need him? I would be looking for other options. I mean, we've seen with plenty of running backs trying to come back from ankle injuries that it's really tough during the same season. I, we saw it with Christian McCaffrey. He just wasn't as effective and quickly got re-injured. Same thing with Saquon Barkley. I mean, he had a touchdown today, but before that, he hadn't really been impressing if you were watching him. So, yeah, these ankle injuries can take a while. So I would probably not be wanting to play Kareem Hunt if I can avoid it. Yeah, Nick Chubb saw 43 snaps, uh, Dearness Johnson 14, Kareem Hunt 13. Uh, yeah, it's just it's tough to trust him at this point. So I think I'd, I'd try to see a healthy game from him, look for other options if you can. And then, hey, if next week he goes off, then you can get him back in your lineup. But uh, now's not the time, I don't think, to be messing around with uh, injured players if you can help it. So 
Um, Emmanuel Sanders uh, for the Buffalo Bills left with a knee injury in the first half and missed the rest of the game. Uh, we'll get into this later. Um, we'll see if Ryan thinks it's Gabriel Davis time or Cole Beasley time or who's going to benefit here, but not much news on Emmanuel Sanders injury. So uh, keep an eye on that going forward. And then finally in Baltimore, uh, Sammy Watkins left with an undisclosed injury in the third quarter. I, I'm not sure that Sammy Watkins getting hurt is a big deal at this point, but uh, five of Rashad, Rashad Bateman's seven catches came in the fourth quarter with Watkins out. So you're going to see a pretty good stat line here from Rashad Bateman. Just know that it came in the fourth quarter. Uh, monitor Watkins' health going forward. We'll see. But um, there's there are enough options in this passing game where I, I think Bateman probably needs Watkins hurt to make a difference. So uh, what do you think about this Baltimore receiving core? I know we're also kind of up in the air with this uh, with who their quarterback is going to be. But are you kind of picking up Bateman if people drop in the leagues at this point? I would hope you still have Bateman. I, I don't think he was someone that was – really a great drop candidate just because something like this could happen or he could have just earned more snaps naturally i mean when he's been getting targeted and running routes he has been producing like nothing crazy but i mean looking at the i had this pulled up a couple weeks ago on the sit start podcast but i think it was the one where my internet cut out like halfway through so i didn't get i didn't get to use it but the list of names that had comparable production to Rashad Bateman through his first four games was littered with Hall of Famers and not a whole lot of busts. So it he it hasn't seemed like he's lit the world on fire, but he was he's commanding targets when he's getting the opportunity when he's on the field. So I feel good about Bateman. I don't know that he's going to just be a wide receiver to the rest of the way or anything like that, but especially in dynasty, I am definitely excited to see what he does next year. Yep. And he had, he had a, a step back last week. I don't think he had a catches and Watkins saw some work, but Watkins kind of reminded the Ravens that uh, maybe he can't stay on the field that consistently consistently. So maybe we can see that reverse a little bit. So yep. Uh, probably worth a pickup in some uh, deeper leagues. I, I just, I don't know if you're going to be able to start Bateman anytime real soon. The season's kind of running down here, but in some deeper leagues, he could certainly be a flex play. So um, okay, yeah, that's most of the injuries for now heading into Sunday Night Football. Uh, hopefully that holds up going forward. Uh, but let's get into the games we watched. Uh, let's start out with, you know, Ryan kind of took the uh, bit the bullet here on this first game. Uh, complete blowout in Kansas City. But uh, what did you see between the Raiders and the Chiefs here in the, the early slot of this week's games? Yeah, so the first play of the game was a Josh Jacobs fumble return for a touchdown. So that pretty much set the tone for the first half and the entire game, really. Uh, Derek Carr managed just 33 of 44 for 263 yards through the air, a touchdown and an interception. I was getting really mad because even when he was down like 35 points at the end of the second half, he wouldn't even throw beyond the sticks on like third and three. Like he's checking down to Foster Moreau who is just butterfingering the ball and dropping it through his hands a yard short of the first down marker down 35 points with two minutes to go in the second half or in the first half. Sorry. So I, I just, they didn't come to play or if they did, they certainly weren't coming to play <laughs> after the chiefs had scored a few times. Uh, Foster Moreau just doesn't do it for me. Like he looks big and impressive out there. I can see how he would, um, like how he would stand out on a practice field, but he, he can't catch like it. It's real. I, and I hate like trashing on players like this, but it was really tilting and honestly kind of, um, cathartic after having touted him and played him in a lot of places last week and just completely staying away this week. Um, yeah. But aside from Foster Moreau's struggles, I, I mean, <laughs> we'll get everyone else in here too. Josh Jacobs, Hunter Renfro, Zay Jones had a fumble apiece. So that that's not great when you're Derek Carr. It just They're not helping you out very much, even if you're not helping yourself out as much as you maybe need to be. Yeah. So, I mean, before we get to uh, Renfro, he's probably the big story here. But Jacobs, I mean, there's nothing he can do, right? I mean, he has a bad fumble. Obviously, that killed them, killed the game script. But... Uh, when you're getting blown out 48 to nine, uh, you can't expect much from Jacobs. I suppose five catches on six targets for 46 yards. Like he's kind of showed us he's a okay PPR back this year. He's actually getting some passing game work. So they pretty much dominate this backfield. Yeah. I mean, with Kenyon Drake having been out for a few weeks and Jalen Richard having been on IR all year, he's dominating the routes out of the backfield. Like he is game script proof, quote unquote. 
but that only works if the Raiders actually fight back through the game script and score a few times that like that, that's what he needs. And it just hasn't been happening. So yeah, I mean, hold on to him, keep playing him as an RB two, just based on volume, but you just got to hope for better roads ahead for the Raiders here. Yeah. Scoring touchdowns is generally helpful. Uh, J- Jacobs played 47 snaps. Uh, Trey Ragas played nine. I'm going to assume that's a fullback because I've never heard of him. And then uh, Peyton Barber uh, played seven snaps. So this was all Jacobs here. So uh, yeah, probably nothing to worry about here going forward for him. It's just this offense seems to be in shambles. So I'm glad you got to experience the Derek Carr experience. because I, uh, <laughs> I just got that a couple weeks ago. So it's fr- it's frustrating just because he's good and he has an arm. Like it's not like this is you know, Chad Pennington out there. I mean, he can get the ball downfield. He just does not push it. And I guess that means good things for Renfro here. I mean, 13 of 14, uh, 117 yards and a touchdown. Like uh, he's locked in going forward. Yeah. I, I was thinking about this during the game. Is there a wide receiver that I would rather be playing than Renfro next week? If it's not Cooper cup, like I I genuinely would have trouble naming off a bunch of guys because he's just been so solid through the last six weeks or so. I, yeah, he's, he's a great guy to have on your roster right now, especially if you got him really cheap. I know I did that on a couple of dynasty teams where I was competing. He's provided great production. So I car only looks at him, especially with Waller out. Like it's, it's always going to Renfro and usually not be on the sticks. So He'll he'll just keep vacuuming up all these targets. And he I mean, he even got some work in after the catch a little bit like he, he was making some moves out there. I see you, Hunter Renfro. You're smaller <laughs> than I am, but good job. Yeah, I think we've all seen the uh, the DK Metcalf Hunter Renfro comparisons on Twitter. It's uh, pretty shocking, but I'm not even sure if this is factoring in this week's game yet. But uh, some players, he scored more PPR points than this year per game. Uh, Terry McLaurin, DK Metcalf, uh, Tyler Lockett, Amari Cooper. Uh, AJ Brown, like it, it's pretty wild. He's he's a legitimate wide receiver one. So um, yeah. I'm not sure. I think probably Dynasty League, I'd probably try to sell high if he can still trade. But uh, probably at this point, though, you just ride him and get what you can. Because like you said, you probably did not invest a lot in him. So just enjoy it. Um, yeah, yeah okay. absolutely. I mean, I mean, he was doing this down the stretch last year, too. Like he was being surprisingly productive on the Raiders with very few other options in the passing game. Like th- yeah. this is the second year in a row. Maybe, I mean, maybe this is the cheat code every year is draft Hunter Renfro in the 15th round. It yeah. seems to be working out. Absolutely. And he's also one of those players that I, I think we feel like he's like 30 or something. And he's not. <laughs> he's still pretty young. So maybe he's just improving. Who knows? Hunter Renfro, uh, dynasty wide receiver one. Let's do this. <laughs> All right. So I think that's probably enough against about the Raiders, um, unless you have anything to add. Uh, what would you see in the, the Chiefs offense? Yeah, I mean, for the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes did what he needed to. Uh, 20 uh, completions on 24 attempts for 258 yards for the air and two touchdowns. I mostly he got ahead by throwing screens to the running backs, which is, I mean, the chiefs are getting the running backs involved. It's good to see, but I, I will say, I just have to add that even when the chiefs were up by like 35 points, Patrick Mahomes was still taking shots down the field. The Tyree kill. It was, it was, I was so happy. <laughs> I, it was just amazing to see. And they, they were getting like called back by holding calls and, stupid not fun stuff that the nfl refereeing likes to do but it i just love i just love that it was so much fun to watch even if it wasn't actually doing anything we also got a uh i believe we got a josh gordon touchdown right i, I saw that on, uh, red zone <laughs> at one point tell me more about this yeah i mean we i didn't get to see that one live that that was in the first half before i had fully tuned into this game but yeah, Josh Gordon is back. Um, you're definitely picking him up and starting him next week. I don't even know why you need my analysis on this. Uh, uh, so I, yeah. I think it was like a, a one-yard wide receiver screen, <laughs> basically. So uh, what did he finish? Yeah, two catches, nine yards, and a touchdown. So I don't think he's taking over Tyree Kill anytime soon. Yeah, no, prob- probably not coming for Tyree Kill's job. I wish he was coming for Michael Hardman's job, but probably also not coming for Michael Hardman. No, probably not. All right, so, I mean, we look at the running back snaps here. Um, it's going to be skewed because it was a blowout. Uh, Daryl Williams, 23 snaps. Clyde edwards Flair 23 snaps. Derek Gore, 20 snaps. I know a lot of his were in garbage time, though. Uh, do you think we have kind of like a full-blown split with CEH and Daryl? Are they, are they both playable or neither of them playable? Where do, you, where do you stand on this backfield? 
I would almost compare them to Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, except on a team that doesn't run the ball as much. I mean, as you said, they were pretty much evenly split in snaps. Uh, Daryl was running a few more routes and CEH was mostly getting the work on the ground and he had the goal line work, uh, including a really nice touchdown run on the goal line. I'm usually not impressed with Clyde Edwards, Clyde Edwards Alaire when I'm watching him, but he, he like skated right through the crowd. Like I, I thought he was going down on the line of scrimmage and he just found a way to sneak through. It was really cool. So yeah. Yeah, I think CEH is like a back-end RB2, touchdown dependent. Daryl Williams honestly could be like a desperation PPR type of flex if this offense keeps humming along. He he will have some touchdown opportunity at the very least. So a poor man's Tony Pollard, perhaps. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, Williams had a nice touchdown reception, just kind of wide open down the sideline from what I saw. Uh, CEH, it's encouraging that he's at least scoring touchdowns. We just didn't see that last year and uh, early this year. So uh, that's good to see as well. So um, I, I think most weeks you're not going to lose all these snaps to to Gore for sure, Derek Gore. So, um, all right, anything else in this offense? Like, was this – I know uh, the Raiders had gotten some flack for last time they played the Chiefs. It seemed like uh, – I believe what Gus Bradley, their defense coordinator, uh, was the only one who didn't play, uh, you know, off and too deep and kind of make them go underneath. Like, was it the same thing here or was the Raiders offense just so bad that you can't even blame the defense? Yeah, it's kind of chicken or the egg here. It's really it's really hard to be be like, yeah, this loss was all on the defense or all on the offense because it just neither were getting it done. So it, it's tough yeah. to blame one or the other. Um, I will say that the Chiefs were trying to get it down the field. Uh, Ty- Tyreek had only four targets, uh, caught all four of them for 76 yards. Um, but he had a few other targets like wiped away on penalties that were pretty deep down the field. So I don't think that that's counted in air yards, but, it, but if they were, then he would have had a lot of air yards. So yeah, the chiefs were really attacking all over the field. Like they, they weren't having much of a problem that just with the game script, the way it was, it didn't really end up mattering. Okay. All right. Well, I think that's probably good on this one. Uh, let's get to a couple more exciting games here, but uh, it looks like the Chiefs are going to be okay. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll at least be in the playoffs. So uh, we'll see how they turn out uh, going for another uh, a Super Bowl appearance. So, um, all right. I will get to the 49ers and Bengals game. Uh, this one finished uh, 49ers 26, Bengals 23 in Cincinnati. Uh, this was a wild game here. Uh, it's kind of hard to know where to even start. Uh, the first half though, the Bengals fumbled two punts, uh, Darius Phillips fumbled to both was uh, obviously benched after that, but um, it's awfully hard to win a game when you give away the ball twice when the other team's uh, trying to give it to you. So um, Jamar Chase also had a bad drop in the first half and the 49ers led 17 to six at the half. So that's kind of how it started. Um, the, the 49ers only scored three points the rest of the regulation until they scored a game winning touchdown in overtime. So the Bengals really came roaring back here. Um, I guess I'll start with the 49ers offense. Uh, both quarterbacks were sacked five times in this one. So that, that includes Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, his stat line looks pretty good. 27 to 41, 296, two touchdowns, no interceptions. But I was not impressed in the least with Jimmy Garoppolo. I know that's not a breaking news here, but he really did not make any plays at all. Anytime there was pressure, he just kind of turtled up and took the sack. And he's just not a playmaker. So um, he got the ball to George Kittle. And George Kittle is a playmaker. Uh, 13 catches, 15 targets, 151 yards and a touchdown. A couple spectacular catches. Uh, he looked awesome in this game. George Kittle did. So I know he'll have these duds occasionally, but when they go to him, he is a, a game-breaking tight end. So uh, keep starting him no matter who you have as other options, I would say. Uh, but outside of Kittle, like there really wasn't much in this 49ers offense. Um, I'll, I'll stick with the passing game now. But, I mean, Brandon Ayuk, only six catches for 62 yards on 11 targets. Um, and he got a touchdown to win the game, but I mean, that was late, you know, that, that, that easily could not have happened if this game doesn't go to overtime. So, uh, not real, uh, impressive from Ayuk on 11 targets, but, uh, Debo Samuel back from injury, they kind of used him as a running back and, uh, that helps Ayuk. So as long as this keeps up, uh, Ayuk, I think is in pretty good shape, but he did not necessarily flash in this game. So, um, I don't know, I guess at least, at least Shanahan trusts him and he's out there and he's the wide receiver one, but. Um, you know, good game. You'll take it. It wasn't exactly dominant though, but, uh, Ryan, I would like to ask you like Debo Samuel, this is a problem for him in PPR leagues, right? He's, um, a running back now. Uh, 
he saw fewer snaps because he he's coming off an injury, but one target and eight carries. Um, we're getting lucky with these touchdowns, but we don't want Debo Samuel to be a running back, right? I mean, I'd like to go back to when he was both the running back and a receiver when he had the Cordero Patterson role. Like, that's ideal. And maybe that will happen as he gets healthier and if they get Elijah Mitchell back, I think would be the hope. Yeah. Um, be, because at, I don't think we were all that impressed with the running backs in this game at all, right? Yeah, no. We'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think Debo, you kind of just have to cross your fingers, hope that as he gets healthier and as the 49ers backfield gets more healthy, that he will transition a bit more into the passing game role like he kind of had in the middle of this year. Yeah, I, I do think that's important to watch, though. Uh, I mean, not that you're probably benching Debo anyway, but Mitchell is going to swing it. Uh, they need him to carry the load because the, the other running backs are just not impressive. But, I mean, we've seen a few games now. I mean, this has been three straight games that he's played, Debo, with, with one catch. So he's getting it done on the ground, but just these touchdowns are awfully uh, important for him. And if he does not score a touchdown, it, it's going to be a down game until he gets back involved. So um, otherwise, like, you know, Juwan Jennings is playing some, doing fine when he gets a chance. He's kind of the next up in the receiving core. But um, I, I heard, you know, some of the post-game talk in these games is just so – uh, there's just no thought behind them. I, I heard that Jimmy Garoppolo matched Burrow throw for throw. That wasn't true. I heard, <laughs> I heard how they uh, got the running game going, and that's why the 49ers are a good team. That wasn't true. They they rushed 23 times for 100 yards and a touchdown. Um, that's with Debo going uh, 27 yards for his touchdown. Like Other than that, Jeff Wilson Jr., 13 for 56. Uh, I barely, I don't even know if I saw Jamichael Hasty. I know he caught three balls, but he was basically not involved. Like. The running game was kind of non-existent in this one. It was almost all George Kittle. So um, I, I would not be starting Jeff Wilson personally. I think Elijah Mitchell is the only one to start in this backfield. Um, I don't know if you have any other thoughts on this backfield, but I just I think Elijah Mitchell is a, a, a really good player, and uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. is more of a, a special teams player who gets some opportunities when he can. Yeah, so much for the Kyle Shanahan can make any running back good narrative, huh? <laughs> yeah. like, I, I mean, I, I'll say that, any running back that is fast and can hit the hole quickly, he can make look good. Yeah. Um, but that, as it turns out, that's not every running back in the league on the back of every team's practice squad. So, yeah, yeah just hoping for Elijah Mitchell to get back, as you said. Yeah, and Wilson had big games last year, but, I mean, he's also coming off of a major injury this year. I just, you know, it's hard to just... Uh, when it's not a special athlete like that to just say, hey, you're back from injury, you're going to dominate this backfield. So uh, get get well soon, Mitchell, is what I would say. So otherwise, like I said, not real impressed with this team. Um, they, they got the win, but uh, we'll, we'll get into the Bengals here in a minute. The right side of their line is not real great. San Francisco, they've got uh, Trent Williams, the left tackle, is really good, but they're getting blown up on the right side. So I don't know. I think it's Kittle. You can play Ayuk, Debo, um, but not much else to see here. So. Um, let's get to the Bengals. So there's going to be a lot of complaints about how much the Bengals are running the ball here, um, which I, I, I do get. Uh, they ran it too much and were not very productive. They ran 26 times for 86 yards, uh, no touchdowns. But uh, I will say in, in their defense is that the 49ers were getting a lot of pressure on Burrow. Um, he played really well despite it, but he was sacked five times on uh, 39 dropbacks. Uh, so the pressure was there, and he had numerous passes where, like, Defenders were all around him, and he was making awesome throws, but like easily could have been stripped from him, tips or whatever. So the the right side of the line was not great. Riley Reif, I think, was in and out of the game, the right tackle, and uh, Bosa was kind of eating him up. So uh, I, I will give Zach Taylor a little bit of uh, a mulligan there. It was There was a lot of pressure on Burrow, and they do have to protect him. But uh, Burrow played as good as you can play in a loss. Like He put up 14 points in the fourth quarter to send it to overtime. It was just – making throw after throw like I mean 25 to 34 for 348 two touchdowns no picks like he barely made a mistake other than holding on to the ball a time or two too much and was super impressed with Burrow so um, he, he's had some ups and downs this year where he tries to force it but really impressed with him today um, and it, overall it's been all positive and T Higgins five for 114 on seven targets uh, Jamar Chase five for 77 two touchdowns on eight targets so he had one bad drop but You'll, you'll take those touchdowns. Um, he almost had a third, actually, that was just barely reversed. Uh, really tough non-catch for a touchdown. But, um, you know, the, the receivers look good. The passing game looked good. 
it, it just kind of all comes down to the offensive line and do they give him enough time to get the ball out? Because, I mean, it was a lot of times like three-step drops for Burrow and he's barely getting the ball out in time. So that's, I think, always going to be the issue for this Bengals passing game is uh, can they protect Burrow long enough? So um, I, I talk about the Bengals every week. I'm not sure there's really a lot to dissect here. Do you have any questions just as far as this passing game goes? Yeah, I'll just say it's nice that Jamar Chase has started scoring again. That's a welcome yeah. development for us in fantasy football. But yeah, other than that, I I mean, th- th- this team just has an awesome duo of receivers. I, I mean, them and the Buccaneers, honestly, I might yeah. put as the top two in the league. I guess you got to put the Cowboys up there too. It, yeah. But yeah, it it's pretty exciting. So, but I, Eric, I do want to hear as the angry Bengals fan right now who whose fault is this aside from the offensive line who who's maybe we're not calling for heads but who who are we super mad at right now yeah I mean it's Zach Taylor and it's tough because I know this is a young team and uh they're not nobody thought they were going to compete for the playoffs so I don't want to put it all on him this year but I think we've seen enough times in the NFL like when you got your chance and your team looks good you've got to make a run like you never know what next year is going to look like and uh, they lost a couple winnable games, and uh, Zach Taylor today was just way too happy to settle for field goals. They kicked a field goal fourth and one on the 19-yard line, fourth and two on the 10-yard line. That was in the first half. Uh, but then in overtime, they marched down the field, passing the ball. I got to the 26 and then went run, run, sack, and kicked a field goal and then ended up losing. Uh, that was kind of how he played overtime in that Packers game that they lost. That was a crazy game, just taking the field goal in overtime, which – you know, in, in the modern NFL, it's not that hard to drive down for a touchdown when you need it. So uh, I, he really needs to be more aggressive. And like it's it's hard to know what to do with Zach Taylor. I, I don't love a lot of the things he does, but they're kind of ahead of schedule here. So how much credit do you give him? How much you know blame do you give him? But I just know that you never know how many good years you're going to get out of players. And it's frustrating to see uh, what could be this good of an offense struggle at times. I mean, they put up 23 at home against a secondary that was missing all of their corners. So uh, I'm going to blame Zach Taylor. Um, maybe we're just being spoiled here. We need to wait a year, but I, I don't know. It's just, it's just frustrating to see a talented team just uh, put up six points in the first half, actually six points through the first three quarters. Yeah. I, I mean, if you're mad about the lack of aggressiveness on fourth downs, I, I mean, just look across the road in the division, the, um, the Ravens are, really analytically driven and they're getting roasted on every post game show in America. <laughs> yeah. So I, the amount of John Harbaugh on my Twitter timeline explaining why you should go for two earlier rather than later was a little ridiculous today. And I, I'm, I'm sick of hearing this argument because it's so, it's so clear. Yeah. It's, I mean, like I, I do understand like taking the points sometimes and like keeping the situation in your favor, but fourth and one fourth and two like let's 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 go for this like you're at home like it's not like you got a crowd to worry about like false starts i i don't know i just especially i mean burrow was in charge of this game and uh he kind of lost the whole first half because of the fumble punts like there's nothing you can do about that but he was rolling in the second half and uh i don't know once once they got to overtime i think that was the killer it was like hey we got into field goal range let's 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 step back a little bit and run the ball. And it's like, no, you need you score a touchdown. The game's over. Like, let's just yeah. end this, you know? So, yeah, you you have to play to win in the NFL. You can't play not to lose. Like, yeah, yeah. it's frustrating. And I, especially like you're the Bengals. Like they have been the teams that lose these types of games. But Joe Burrow really looks like the type of player that just finds a way to win them. So, like, just let him let him win the game. Like Burrow's good. Just let him win the game. Uh, that, that That's where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I for sure. All right. You want to move on to Bill's Bucks? Yeah, I, I guess I would just say that Mixon was fine, looked fine off of his uh, illness. And, you know, when, you, when you're trailing, uh, you know, the, the offensive line is taking a step back with some injuries. But once they get full force, I, I think we're going to see the old Mixon. But a little too much Samaj P. Ryan on third downs for my liking. But that's just what it is at this point. All right. Well, then, moving on to Bill's Bucks. This was a, another exciting one. It honestly was seemed like it was starting to go the way of Chiefs Raiders in the first half, but luckily the Bills came back and made it a game and forced overtime. So that that was pretty fun to watch in the second half. Uh, Josh Allen overall played pretty well. I, he had a few bad throws, bad decisions. It's, it's typical Josh Allen stuff, though. Like, yeah. he's always going to make up for them with the ridiculous throws. Like, there, there was one point, I 
think at the end of regulation where he just missed wide open Stefan Diggs for what probably what would have been the game winning touchdown. And then the next snap, he gets up, gets the ball and absolutely lasers it like into Cole Beasley's belly button, like to where only he could get it with two defenders draped all over him, like amazing tight window throw, just like crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, overall, his stat line, uh, 36 completions on 54 attempts for 308 through the air, two touchdowns and a pick and on the ground, 12 carries for 109 yards and a touchdown. He really carried this bill's rushing attack. I, at halftime, I think bill's running backs had zero carries. So he was really just was the bill's rushing attack. And he, I mean, he should be like Devin Singletary isn't as dynamic as Josh Allen is on the ground. Like he should be the one making all these design runs like i mean he he's moving the chains for them he he's really saving his own team more than a few times with the touchdown run and getting those first downs on in a few key places so i was pretty impressed with him it was a nice bounce back from uh how we looked against the patriots last week i don't want to gloat too much about that but yeah i i didn't i hey i didn't get the chance to gloat on sit start this week so i have have to get it in there somewhere no, absolutely. And I, I kind of wanted to bring it back to that a little bit. I was shocked last week that, I, first of all, I thought he looked like okay passing the ball considering how bad the weather was. Like it was kind of fun to watch him just rip the ball into the wind. Like I was enjoying that. Um, but I was surprised they weren't running with him more last week. And uh, this looks better, 12 for 109 on the ground. Like he's their best running back. Was this a lot of scrambling? Was it design runs? Was it a little bit of both? Because against the Patriots, I wanted them to just run like QB sweeps with them. That's, that's what I wanted the offense to be basically. Yeah, it was really both um, a few nice scrambles uh, the the touchdown, I believe, was not designed, um, but he had a few that went for first downs that were designed going off the tackle. So, yeah, I, I mean, they really were making it a point to get him involved on the ground as they should be every single week. So, yeah, they should just keep riding him. As far as the running backs go, uh, just seven carries uh, combined from Devin Singletary and Matt Rita. I, I don't think we really need to talk about the Bills running game. I think we're just kind of done. Singletary managed seven targets in the negative game script. Um, but, yeah. I mean, we've seen that bounce back and forth, too, with Zach Moss in, in and out of the lineup as well. He he was inactive today. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think we care about Bills running backs at this point in the season, do we? I don't think so. Singletary's done an okay job being kind of efficient with his touches. Um, the passing game work is nice, but like you said, I mean, uh, you know, with Zach Moss inactive, it seems to be kind of game script de- or matchup dependent if they're going to play him or not. He was out. Singletary saw 64 snaps, Breda only 11, but it's going to be hard to predict that week to week. Like we literally don't know if Moss is going to play until what an hour before kickoff most weeks. So um, it's a little tough. I think Singletary startable in a you know flex role, but uh, uh, you can move on from Breda and Moss at this point. Like just drop them and pick them up if he's playing. Maybe if you need them, but probably not even then. So I do agree. Um, what do you think this Bills passing game? Like we talked about, Emmanuel Sanders left with an injury. What, what do you think this means for the receiving core? Yeah, I'm gonna come out with maybe a surprising take i i don't think that it's cole beasley or gabriel davis that benefits from this the most i think it's actually stefan Diggs because yeah. last year when he had his amazingly efficient like wide receiver three overall season it was because he was getting deep down the field and converting and sanders has really taken over that role a lot more this year i mean at times he's just kind of been running wind sprints sanders has been very up yeah. and down all year but I think Diggs could start to take over some more of those deeper routes. And I think that's going to really help him be even more productive. I mean, he had 13 targets in this one, caught seven of them for 74 yards. And he was getting targeted deep down the field, like noticeably as opposed to what we've seen before. So going forward, I feel by far the best about him. And I think he's the one that is actually most likely to see a bump in production. Okay. Interesting. Um, and that does make sense. I mean, St- Diggs has been steady, but maybe we haven't seen some of those blow up games. So hopefully we got more of them coming. Uh, we did get to see a lot more of uh, Gabriel Davis in this one for sure. Um, and Cole Beasley had a little resurgence. He's kind of disappeared for a while. So do you think they should be on rosters or are they just too kind of hit or miss from week to week? 
Yeah, I don't think either needs to be on rosters. Beasley caught nine of 11 targets for 64. I He is the poor man's Hunter Renfro at this point, but it, it only happens in these negative game scripts. So I'm not rushing out to get him. Maybe he's a desperation flex if you really need to pick somebody up Sunday morning or something. But more like that type of player. Yeah. And then Gabe Davis uh, caught five of eight for 43 and a touchdown. I He has kind of been the touchdown magnet of this receiving group, especially going back to his rookie year last year before Emmanuel Sanders was a factor. So maybe he picks up a little bit there, but it really feels like he's more in like a red zone specialist role, or at least that's where the bills would like him to be. He Mm -hmm. did pick up in snaps this game with Sanders out. um, But I just don't think he's that complete of a player. I don't think he needs to be on rosters. I'm way more interested in Dawson Knox as far as touchdown scoring goes. And he did have one today. So yeah, overall, I'd say Diggs benefits. Dawson Knox maybe scores a couple extra touchdowns the rest of the season. But I don't think there's all that much to see beyond that here with the Sanders injury. Okay. And uh, you mentioned the uh, Dawson Knox ran a team high 58 routes. So he, he's pretty much a slam dunk start every week, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He's a tight end one every week, the rest of the way. And hopefully you kept him on your, your roster through his injury. Cause he has yeah. really come back from it pretty nicely. Yep. He was the one I'm kicking myself on just kind of the off season. It was like, man, Dawson Knox fits like, you know, the time frame you would want for a breakout tight end and he's in a good offense. And I did not act on it. So uh, good for everyone who picked up Dawson Knox because it made a lot of sense, basically, for this would be his big fantasy year. So uh, looking good. So uh, Buccaneers side of the ball, they pull out the win with an overtime touchdown. Would you see anything new for Tampa Bay or is just like one of the best offenses in the league, basically? Yeah, I mean, this this is like the platonic ideal of how the Tampa Bay offense should look is how it looked this week. I mean, Mike Evans, six of six for 91 and a touchdown. One of the most impressive touchdowns I've seen this year. I don't think I'm being hyperbolic. Like he, he jumped up so high and like his, his entire body was like convulsing almost. That's the wrong word, but (laughs) his whole body did like this cool thing when he like reached over and like it snapped back. I I'm butchering this absolutely (laughs) terribly right now, but Mike Evans is good at catching touchdowns. Uh, So that that's what's going on there. Chris Godwin caught 10 of 15 targets for 105 Mostly up the middle, uh, got him involved on some screenplays a few times. This is exactly how Chris Godwin should be used. Um, it Really, it's almost like the Julian Edelman role, except Chris Godwin is way more athletic than Julian Edelman ever was. Uh, th- this is what you want to see Brady doing with his main connection. So he looked great. I mean, Godwin hasn't been as lucky in the touchdown department this year as Mike Evans, which I guess that's not that big of a surprise, but both of them are every week starts, especially with having Antonio Brown not here to soak up volume anymore. I You should feel great about either of them on your roster. Yeah, it does not look like Brown's coming back anytime soon. And uh, Godwin now two straight weeks with 10 or more catches. So uh, 15 targets this week, 17 last week. So Godwin is uh, shooting up the rankings. And yeah, I mean, Evans is always going to be a little touchdown dependent, but uh, he scores more touchdowns than anyone. So I think that's probably fine. So um, anyone else in the, the Bucks passing game you want to mention here? Uh, I wanted to give Brashad Perriman the shout out for catching the game winner. It was a nice catch down the sideline. Um, it feels like Brashad Perriman just pops up in places like ever, ever since he kind of flamed out, he didn't fully flame yeah. out. He just shows up. Like I thought it was the end when he got cut by the lions in the preseason, but nope. Now he's yeah. catching game winners from Tom Brady. So good yeah. for Brashad Perriman. Uh, yeah. And other than that, Rob Gronkowski, Five catches out of his nine targets for 62 yards. Uh, the defense was playing him really rough. Like they, they were definitely some non-calls that could have gone his way that didn't just for um, just for DPI. Uh, the, the announcers were kind of mad about it too. It sounded like they, they really wanted Gronk to have more room to operate. Um, but I mean, he'll be fine. Like nine targets for a tight end. You, that's pretty good in the Tom Brady offense. Didn't happen to score in this one, but Again, every week tight end one, uh, this offense is amazing. You uh, talking about the referees just made me remember from the Bengals game. Uh, they got a taunting penalty uh, because a defender pointed at an offensive player and that, that turned a, a field goal into a touchdown. So that just brought back some good memories. I love these taunting. Rules. 
Lovely. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, I think that uh, pretty much wraps up the games we watched. Um, I wanted to throw a curveball here at you. I didn't prep you for this one. So uh, for the Chargers offense, um, obviously Mike Williams ended up playing. Keenan Allen was out with uh, being on the COVID list. Um, we saw Josh Palmer and Jalen Guyton both play a bunch of snaps. Um, Palmer saw seven targets. Guyton only saw three, but they both scored a touchdown. Um, I, I think it's worth talking about this offense real quick. Like, do you think there's anything here for a third receiver after Williams and Keenan Allen or did both of these guys just kind of disappear after that? Cause I, I keep wanting them to get a third receiver involved because these tight ends, I'm not real impressed with. And uh, I would love to see this work go to a third receiver. Do you, you have any interested here? Or is it just those, those two targets are just too high volume. Yeah. I mean, Jalen Guyton last year, I think won the wind sprints gold medal uh, just, just for the most routes run without any production or targets to show for it. Um, yeah. So not all that interested in him. I, it really seems like he's just kind of out there to run a wind sprint down the field, then pretend like maybe they're going to throw to him. Uh, Palmer's a little more interesting. Uh, he's the rookie. He was somebody that I was kind of interested in. He got some surprisingly high draft capital this offseason. Um, wasn't all that productive, but was in a very bad offense in college. So he could possibly be interesting. Uh, th- I mean, this is the time for him to like show something in his rookie year though if he's going to so the touchdown today was nice we'll see how it continues i wouldn't be trusting either of them in fantasy as soon as keenan allen is back um but yeah keep an eye on palmer in dynasty okay i have a lot of palmer so that was just me to get us to talk about palmer (laughs) so um and then i'm just looking at a few other situations like i think we're pretty much Broncos passing game, we're pretty much done with this, right? Like four catches for Noah Fant, five for Jerry Judy, five for Albert O, two for Tim Patrick, one for Cortland Sutton. Like we just want the running backs in Denver. I mean, they can't even do anything against the Lions. I know they blew them out 38 to 10, but like nothing here for the passing game. Yeah. And I mean, if it's a game where Denver has to pass, then that's also going to be ugly. So yeah, we, I think regardless of the game script we project, we're not all that interested in Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy at this point. Okay. All right. Just a couple uh, quick hitters before we got out of here. Uh, make sure you go to QBLS.com though to, to get the, the deep dives on all these. Hey, maybe they'll talk you into starting Jerry Judy next week. I don't know. I know as someone who rosters him, I'm, I'm about done with it. So uh, maybe I'll read that and try to see if I should start him next week. So um, otherwise, yep. Thanks for listening, Ryan. Thanks for joining me. Uh, Mike will be back with us next week. Uh, you can catch Ryan and I on the Sit Start podcast Wednesday night. Uh, Thursday morning and we'll also have the uh, waiver wire podcast coming out soon too so hope y'all uh, are heading towards the fantasy playoffs and we'll talk to you soon